0: Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Matt Salem, and you've tuned in to another episode of Our Best Behavior, brought to you by Behaviorally. We are the global digital first leader in defining and diagnosing human behavior to help you achieve the most valuable moment in marketing when a purchase transaction occurs. We are Behaviorally, the transaction experts. Each episode, we share insights on trending topics within our industry and of interest to our customers. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by Theora Zolka, Consumer Marketplace Insights, Sweet Earth and Strategy at Nestle to discuss the chapter Evolution versus Revolution in our complimentary ebook. Hopefully, you've seen it out there. It's called The Power of Packaging to Drive Shopper Growth. And what it does is compile over 50 years of best practice learnings into an inspirational and practical guide on creating effective pack designs. This year, we launched a revised edition with a bonus chapter around packaging for e commerce. So to celebrate that, we are lucky enough to have Theora here with us. Theora, thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. appreciate it.
0: So I've I've mentioned the podcast to you a couple of times because we've had a number of lovely conversations over the years. I would really appreciate if you could just say a little bit about yourself so that our listeners can get to know you a bit, not as well as I know you, perhaps, on the professional front, but just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um... Obviously, Siora Zolka, work in the Consumer Marketplace Insights Group at Nestle. I've been there for about five and a half years. And then prior to that, I've had a history in sports marketing. I've been a brand manager for a small regional brands. worked in nonprofit organization. And then um, prior to Nestle, was with Nielsen for, like, I think, collectively 12 years. So I like, have a varied experience in traditional marketing, sports marketing, which is super fun, and then the CPG industry.
0: Excellent. So today we are here to talk about evolutionary versus revolutionary design. And this is always a piece of subject matter that I find super interesting. And Theora, I was hoping you could kind of clue us into how you think about evolutionary versus revolutionary design. When you have an existing brand, is there a playbook? Is there kind of a specific order that you go through? Like, hey, check this box. We need evolutionary. Check that box. We need revolutionary. How do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great question, Matt, and I wish it were that simple, right? That would have been fantastic to have earlier in my career and made lots of mistakes, but you just kind of learn and you go, there's a couple of metrics that I kind of think about when we embark in evolutionary or revolutionary. One is sales. Like, are you doing well or not? And if you are doing well, what is in support of that? If you're not and you decompose it and packaging is an issue... That's something to, to understand. And then, you know, we can go into a little bit more further detail. The other thing is the equity component. And as you get really strong on what you want to be as a brand, your point of distinction in the marketplace, what you stand for, is your packaging in support of that, right? So it's it's all about what you're standing for as a brand, does the packaging work? And then the other thing is, is it actually flying off the shelf and is your packaging doing doing service for that? Uh, particular component, and then that's when you sort of get into this place of evolution versus revolutionary. The other thing I would say is, do you have something that you own, and how much risk do you have in making those those changes? And is the risk worth the reward that you get on the back end of it? So something to evaluate. So we've had stronger brands um, within my within my career that I would say, if it has ownable assets, we evolve depending on the objective that we want to achieve with with the growth. Um, if there's something that we have relatively low risk, we don't have ownable assets we're a baby brand in the marketplace, you have a little bit more runway and permission to do something with it, hence being a little bit more revolutionary without the the high risk um, component that you would with a legacy brand.
0: Mm, that that makes a lot of sense. And as you're saying that, the other piece I'm thinking about here in my mind is the design team, right? So as you partner with your design team internally, say you have scoped this out, or or, or better yet, I should ask, do you sit with them at all to help that decision or is the decision coming from marketing and research? And then are you working with them to have some guidelines and guardrails around what evolution or revolution should look like?
1: Yeah, I think it's the latter, right? I think as a brand, you you pretty much figure out what you need to do unless you are starting from scratch and you need a little bit more partnership and, and lean in from the design agency. But generally like the brand will have a point in position of, hey, we're trying to light touch this thing and there's a little bit of um, little components that we really want to tweak along the way or is it something like we're swinging for the fences and we really need to cue something different in the marketplace? Providing your your design team with that type of um, direction in the beginning is uh, like the first step to success, right? Clarity of what you're trying to achieve versus giving them too much of a wide cast um, of the particular net and asking them to take ownership in that as well.
0: Mm. What about scenarios where you have perhaps An innovation say that you're bringing to the marketplace a new item but that's leveraging some equity from an existing brand so let's say there's a a new coffee mate product coming to market just for example how do you think about the revolutionary components that could perhaps help differentiate it or do they in fact have to be revolutionary versus those guardrails of maintaining that equity that you mentioned earlier on is is the process there a bit different
1: than when you're thinking about an established brand? Um, th- th- I mean, th- that's a really good point. Probably, right? Because if you're if you're breaking out and doing some type of innovation and, and continuing to hold on to um, the brand equity component, there is something to that, right? Like you need to have some bridge, some walk steps from where you are today to where you want to be with that innovation product. And it also depends on, you know, what are the steps from existing today and innovation tomorrow. So if something is like a little bit more of an extension, then you wanna be closer in. There's not breaking the system. But if you are pushing out and you're truly doing breakthrough innovation and queuing something either in the category or outside of your category, then you're gonna to have to break a couple of the, the um, norms that you would normally do with your existing packaging. So totally fair question. I guess right. it, it really depends on how, how much are you pushing this innovation and, and how much difference you really need to queue.
0: That makes a lot of sense. When I think about what can drive the need for design to be evolutionary or revolutionary, in, in part, it's going to be obviously and in large part the strategy, right? And the business mm-hmm. case and the business need. But then you're also going to need that consumer viewpoint, right? To help validate the strategy, validate if the need is is a real consumer need. And you might have a hypothesis going in, you want to conduct research in order to verify that. So Tell me about that mix, if you can, Theora, and and more so on the consumer side, when you think about evolutionary design and revolutionary design, is there kind of a high-level process that you like to have from a consumer involvement perspective? Do you think about conducting any type of discovery research to help inform that decision up front, or perhaps there's other avenues that you take consistently when you're entertaining that type of question?
1: Yeah, I, I think I know what you're going for, Matt. So you can tell me if I've gotten the, the question completely wrong or not. Um, it like here we go. It was my favorite answer. It depends. And it it depends. depends on. Yeah, it depends. You stole like, my favorite, favorite answer. answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing that I think about is like, what do you have access to today? Like, there's some brands I've walked into that have a lot of historical data. They've done packaging um, testing in the in the back end. They've um, or on the front end of, of all of this they've um they really understand the consumer. they got really good foundational knowledge of what's happening so they know what it takes to go from like a to b with the objective they're trying to achieve hmm. there's other brands i've walked into where we are starting from scratch you are literally starting from scratch and and they've worked and it generally is with baby brands and they and they've worked under um the notion that um they kind of have a gut feel for what's going on they have a vision for that consumer so that they can make some decisions but there does come a point with every brain where you you get a little bit bigger and you really need to start listening a little bit more i can't be as intuitive and in, in internal talking um internal talking to yourself so i think um like i said it depends on what you have but if you don't have that historical knowledge um and a basis for what's going on and what what's the path from a to a to b then yeah i i highly recommend and um you know doing some diagnostics truly understand like what's happening today and then that way you can be very prescriptive and clear to your design agency about what you're looking for um to get you to the path of success
0: yeah yeah and i'm I'm glad you circle back to the design agency aspect too because it's so critical to have a strong partnership amongst everyone in the process and you know, obviously, if you're if you're entering into this decision of what are the guardrails for design, I mean, mm-hmm. I think by nature, and I love it, designers are going to want to push, right, and they're going to want to see how far they could stretch. And it's it's always great to have that consumer feedback when you're thinking about stretching equity elements from a design, or when you're thinking about stretching into new new areas, perhaps for a brand, right? And and get that consumer feedback with the designers on hand. Uh, as we sit here and talk about this topic, are there any examples that are near and dear to you in the past, w- whether it's, you know, now from Nestle and in the past years or even prior experiences that you have in mind that was something that was either fun to work on or a success in the marketplace?
1: It was fun to work on. And I actually like to give you a failure in the marketplace. I okay. think that's a, always an interesting case study. So this was um, early on in my career. It. Years and years ago. So I could easily talk about it and laugh about it at this point, um, because of what had happened. But, you know, I was, I was a brand manager and I was new on to the business and the brand was a hundred years old. So let me just emphasize the brand was a hundred years old and we were in a, um, a smaller set of categories, an established category. It wasn't a dynamic one, um, that, you know, was constantly changing. It's pretty established. Again, brand was 100 years old. So, um, under, during that time, the owner had just purchased the company. There was a lot of change that was happening. We were all so excited about what's happening. And we said to ourselves, like, what can we do to celebrate the 100 years and then kind of note this new change in regime, if you will, this new, new beginning and, and what we need to do going forward. And so we started going through the, the design process. No official, um, you know, design document or brief really a collaboration with the design agency that was super excited as well. So here we are, people without a lot of research, a lot of funding, even though the brand is 100 years old, we did not have a lot of historic knowledge on what the consumer wanted, and we just made some decisions. So super excited, launched the thing in the the marketplace, and it was beautiful, the packaging is beautiful, the logo is beautiful, everything was beautiful about this thing. Sales started to decline. And it was like, what did we do differently? And and this was a, this is a brand that did not have a lot of communication dollars, a little bit of what we call shopper marketing today, some more in store, um, a little bit of trade, right? But things don't fundamentally change too much. It's a two or three brand category, if you will. And for that kind of impact, it was easy to dissect what the, what the AB testing was here. Prior had the old packaging, new had the new packaging. And when we were looking at panel over time, We could just see our penetration fall off and then we did a little bit of like digging into consumers listening to complaints things of that nature and it came about is that they couldn't find the product like they didn't understand how they were how they were bridging from what they knew before to this gorgeous new packaging that was on the shelf today and you know that was a lesson for us because it was like we went revolutionary it was a big swing but we didn't have a strategy behind that other than we were excited about making a change in the marketplace, but there was no sales objective. There was no brand equity objective. It was like change for change sake. And there's nothing terribly wrong about that. But when you are an established brand, again, that 100 years old, 100 year old, you don't make those kind of changes without at least knowing where you are today and then understanding and bringing the consumer along the journey to make sure you validated that to be successful in the marketplace. So I always think about that example as I'm going into new, either communications or packaging design. You really have to be consumer centric. You really have to understand what your consumers want and ensure you validate in any way that you can afford to do resource wise so that you preserve your sales and the equity throughout the journey.
0: So I love the example because it was 100 years old, of course. 100
1: years old, <laughs> I don't know if I made that point, Matt. <laughs>
0: So what is it safe to say that there wasn't a common visual equity element carried over? It was Not literally much. just, you know, scale of one to 10, 10 being most revolutionary and 11.
1: I would th- well, I wouldn't go that, that terribly far <laughs> because we did use some <laughs> similar colors, but they weren't ownable assets. So like you could just, you could look at it and go, well, you used green here. And they had green before. And something about the the text of the logo before was similar. But so is was like when I typed Times New Roman on a, like a piece of paper, right? So there, it wasn't an ownable font or something that was uh, visually disruptive. So you could say those were threads between the two, but there was such a change, such a dr- drastic change, which we favored because the, the packaging was old and outdated. It had not been touched in 30 years. Mm. Everybody sat there and went like, oh, we've got to make a change. And change was good, right? The change part was okay. It was just understanding where we were today, what our consumers really wanted, and and bringing it along so that they were okay with those changes too. And we achieved like a mutually beneficial journey as opposed to just us internally making decisions and going with it because we thought something was really pretty, and it is beautiful. Um, mm. We just needed to be a little bit more thoughtful.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a case of maybe for for lack of better terms, where the brand went from. You know, design A to design D, and maybe a step to B and C first could have helped you get to D in a way Absolutely. that would have brought the consumers
1: along. Absolutely. And that's totally fair. You know, when I think about why you make changes in packaging, we didn't take any of those into consideration. It literally was like, we just thought the packaging was outdated, but we didn't decomp of like, is that packaging in service of sales or not? Is that the reason why we're having issues? Is our equity, um, you know, components X, Y, and Z? And our, our packaging is not doing that for us. And that's where we're making changes. There were no clear business objectives. It was really about being excited about something and, and getting caught up in the design process um, and making some subjective um, you know, decisions versus having the consumer within that consideration set. Well, I, I
0: love that you brought up that example. I mean, you know, we all strive to be perfect, but then the reality is none of us are. So I really okay. applaud you for being willing to bring up that example from earlier in your career. I am curious, what was the outcome? Did you guys step it back in market to the old design? Did you kind of, you know, really hit it hard on communications and media to convey
1: the new design? Yeah, it was more of the latter. We, we It was at that point, We, it, you know, it was a beautiful design. There was nothing wrong with the design other than we, other than we didn't consumer validate it. Um, but we ended up pushing more of like making sure all of the assets that we had available to us truly pushed forward this design we worked with um, our retailers to have some internal pos to to bring consumers back to to have them remember where we were luckily we weren't in such a category that was so crowded that we had an issue with a two three brand category depending on the retailer so it wasn't so far off to get them just redirected we just needed people to like snap to it and, and pay attention to the fact that we were still there so there was a lot of like shelf tagging floor type of display you know back in the day where retailers allowed you to make it a lot messier and, and cluttery um than they will today but yeah we had to lean a little bit more and kind of like scramble to make sure that consumers saw it before their next purchase decision
0: hmm.
1: yeah so when, and, and the packaging still exists today thank it. and it is like i'm trying to i'm really dating myself at this point it's about 15 16 years ago when this was done packaging is still intact today Um, So, you know, they have time. They obviously didn't die. The brand didn't die as a consequence (laughs) of it. And they've had time to, you know, reinforce this to consumers. So it's now the new normal. But back then we did have to do a little bit of scrambling to get us to that point.
0: And is it safe to guess maybe there's been some nuance changes in the past or is it now at a point where maybe they're considering another redesign and, hey, watch out, we better learn from the past?
1: yeah it could be i mean I, I know that there's a lot of players that are still in place there so you know it wasn't anything that i think anybody's forgotten nobody took it lightly for sure um so i don't think you know when i just look at it every once while well, it looks like the packaging has stayed intact to some extent but hopefully they would have learned that at this point hey again did it is it going to do something in service of sales if i change it or is there an equity component that i need to push forward as a you know in, in support of anything and then they evolve versus you know, having a new person come into place, a new marketing manager, brain manager, and saying, I need to put my stamp on something.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. So we've obviously been very focused on packaging design, obviously, given the subject matter. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering for you, when it comes to redesign initiatives versus innovation initiatives, Packaging is obviously a piece of that, right? There's a lot more pieces to that jigsaw puzzle when you think about either redesigning something for the marketplace or launching a new product into the marketplace. Do you have a preference? Do you have a favorite to work on? Do you like working on innovation more? Or is there pain points associated with innovation, perhaps, that you like working on redesigns and existing brands that have all the equity built in more? Just curious as to kind of what your favorite is day in and day out.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I love innovation um, for the 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 fact that you really have to um, dig underneath the surface and figure out what's the unlock, like what's the thing that's going to break what people usually use today or what they're used to today, and will accelerate the category, will accelerate the new, like what's the new iPhone, what's the swift of its time, when you think about the mopping category, what's the thing that's going to be interesting, exciting, and right for the time and place of the consumer so that to me is more fun because it's a bigger mystery than just kind of tweaking and and upping an existing brand which is there's a lot of um a lot of fun to be had there but i I do like the mystery and and the puzzle solving and then really seeing something come to fruition in the market more high risk type of things it tends to be my my favorite things to work on
0: oh cool that's a great answer i love it i do well I, i really Really appreciate you coming on today. I'm happy we were able to, to get you on the podcast episode here. Um, you know, we've had a few phone calls. I'm like, Theora, I know you'll be awesome on a podcast. And, you know, sure enough, you were awesome. So thank you for that. I uh, really appreciate it. And thanks to our audience for listening. Once again, this is the Our Best Behavior podcast brought to you by Behaviorally. I'd like to again thank Theora for joining today. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks so much.